Eddie, what's up, dude? What's going on? What's up, buddy? Hey, man. I... Uh, I fuck the internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I was like, I was feeling your pain, man, for like the past week when all that, sh- like when that article came out, people were, I didn't even read it, obviously. I, I don't read the New York Times, but people were sending me, you know, bits and pieces of it. Like, oh, dude, can you believe this? And I literally like saw, I mean, obviously what we've been through, I was like, oh my gosh, like, come on. Are people actually like believing every word? The New York Times is like, and these people are saying, you know, the people that were coming out are like conservatives or they're like, oh, we're, you know, ultra right wing conservatives. I'm like, okay, well, if, if you are, then why are you believing every word the New York Times puts out? Uh, it's pretty, it was, it's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. Well, so the, an interesting, uh, I guess, connection here is that, you know, you were in the story. And like you, you made this a quick cameo, right? And uh, but the, during the fact checking, you know, we went back and forth, and, and they they said, "Hey, you, you know, did you help start Eddie's company?" And blah, but I can't exactly remember. I was like, "No, we didn't." And uh, we we're just we're friends. Like that's like, we're friends. He's, you know, he's been on the podcast a few times. Like we love him. Like this is like, we're friends. Uh, but it's the story. Yeah. The New York times knows that they, yeah. so that second time they've done an article saying that I've either, I either work for black rifle or I'm making money off black rifle. So the first one they did was right after, uh, right after I retired and I right. On the podcast with you guys, Shot Show, and they came out with this smear article about me saying I was using my war criminal status to uh, get money from. They named you guys. Uh, they named Redcon. They named like all these companies. Which at the time, all that was going on is you guys had sent me some coffee, saying, "Hey, man, like you know, glad everything worked out." And so I posted a picture, like, "Dude, thank you, Black Rifle, for." And I did that with other companies because I was grateful yeah. for supporting us or, you know, we're thankful that we, you know, everything wor- worked out the way it did. They took, you know, they stalked our Instagram and they took yeah. all the pictures and formed this article uh, saying, you know, that I was making money, which we corrected. We called them back and we're like, hey, I don't work for Black Rifle. We are just friends. Like, we're cool with each other. Um, so they knew that from the get-go. I mean, the New York Times has this weird session with... With me, uh, you know, from our, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's like stalker status, dude. Big time, big time. Uh, I don't think people realize just how creepy um, they are. You know, they're, to this day, they still. I mean, I'm not on Twitter. I don't follow any of that stuff. But I get, you know, people will send me stuff that uh, Dave Phillips or certain writers from the New York Times. He constantly is tweeting about me, saying horrendous stuff, and all he's going to do is bait me into coming back and forth with them, which I'm not going to do. I'm like, dude, I'm not even going to acknowledge you, bro. Uh, that's because that's exactly what they want. They want to get into some interaction. And then, then now you're at their level. Uh, yeah. Uh, during this last week, somebody... Uh, I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine from the National Sports Shooting Foundation. And uh, he's like, Hey, Evan, uh, don't wrestle with the pigs and not expect to get dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, that's that's sage advice, dude. Uh you know, the it, first the first thing we said when the 
uh, the guy showed up, uh, was I go, hey, man, I can't wait to see what you write about us considering all the shit you've been throwing at my buddy Eddie for over a year and a half. So this will be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I'll tell you what. That, that's the, the one like people were... I mean, because I had friends hit me up all week and they're like, Dude, I can't believe like, they even talked to them. You know, it's their fault for letting them like come in. I, I was like, listen to me. I was like, dude, this is the way we look at it too, man. Like we've done articles. So we did 60 minutes, not yeah. long after uh, I retired, right? Yep. We knew which way they, you know, they, they leaned uh, and we talked about it. And this is like, and my wife and I were like, listen, we know they're considered the enemy or whatever, but, but when have we ever run from the enemy? Like when have yeah. I ever... I'm like, dude, here I am, man. Like, I'll I'll be myself. I'll sh- tell you what I'm about. If you're going to smear me, man, that's on you. Like, but all I can do is be myself, right? 60 Minutes came to my house for three days and they filmed, I mean, they, they were filming all sorts of weird stuff and like, you know, they had at least 500 questions right off the bat. It was like an interrogation and I answered every one of them. I was myself, answered truthfully and I'm like, yeah, I got nothing to hide. They left and they were like, we had the wrong perception of you. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird because you guys didn't even know me. But right. they actual decent, a decent uh, segment on it, right? But that's a risk that we took. And we've taken yeah. with other left-leaning places like Apple. We did a documentary with them. And, you know, that's coming out this fall. Dude, I don't know if that's going to be a smear documentary or not. Like, they could come out and completely make me look, you know, horrible. But at the same time, dude, like, that's the risk that I'm willing to take to tell the truth or to be like, Hey, this is what my family and I are about. You know, right. I'm not scared. Uh, and you, you, your friend's right. Like you just need to expect that you're going to, you might get dirty during it. But I think what you guys were doing, man, afterward, you came out and were like, Hey man, here's the context to those questions. There it is. Like, I don't know what else people need. <laughs> it's- Dude, I don't know. Uh, honestly, I took the same look that you do. Like I don't, run from people. I don't run. I don't hide. I got nothing to hide. Like if they want to come out and give the, the, you know, the company a colonoscopy, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Dude, I, this is what I do. And, you know, to, to frame the, the company as, as kind of, because in some places, like, you know, the information is factual. And I think, you know, from his perspective, he was writing a factual story. It could have been much worse, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I thought it was actually like a de- I actually read the article. And I'm like, dude, this is a decent article. They just threw little jabs in there to stir up some shit, which is, I mean, that's what they, and it worked. You, you know? you're, they, they traffic in eyeballs. Like, yeah. And, you know, when you, when you make, you know, your money, from uh, you know traffic, you have to you have to advertise to make money. That's how they make money. Yeah. And I, what I told people is, like, listen, it's you know a lot of these, and, and I wouldn't say the Times or whomever, right? Who, whoever it is, a lot of these people, what they do is they want to advertise uh, over the traffic accident because they know people are going to look left or look right because they're looking at the traffic accident. It's the rough equivalent of advertising your product on the traffic accident. That's what it is. And uh, that's how they make money. Like, okay, like, you know, you know, they're going to write salacious material because there's, 
not an interesting story. And from my perspective, the, where the media fails is we have two decades now of warfighters that have been continuing to deploy overseas on a constant rotation for endless wars. But they prefer to write about a kid wearing a t-shirt or <laughs> uh, they prefer to write about uh, some uh, speculative circumstance in which we're exploitive, right? But they're not saying it out overtly. They're just kind of like putting it in the undertone. Oh, what exactly. I gave them the opportunity to do is talk about an American success story, about a group of special operations knuckle-draggers that built something out of nothing that employed 550 fucking people. And oh, by the way, give more money back to nonprofits than 90% of the 501Cs out there that are dedicated to taking care of veterans' issues. I gave them the opportunity to come out and quite literally talk to over 200 veterans about what they're facing in America, the cultural differences between being a civilian and being a guy that's like moved from warfighter to civilian. The disconnect between civilian and veteran is, is, is real because there's a divide there. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted the story to be, I, 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 who the fuck knows? Who cares at this point? But it's like... What I took from it is that you wanted it to, you wanted to show what Black Rifle was all about, man. And that's like, I mean, you're, like you just said, you're a veteran-owned company who you guys are crushing it. Super successful. You hire all these veterans, you help out veterans that are getting out. I mean, you're about taking care of the veteran or the warfighter community. And I think that's what you wanted to show them. And of course, you know, that's a, that's a great story. I mean, that to anybody that would be like, holy shit, like this is awesome. But of course they had to take that and throw their own little jabs in there and make it uh, controversial in some, some way, because like you said, that's how they make money. Uh, how they make money. Uh, but you know, as you know, like man, it is it is difficult, right? And and it's difficult to transition out of service and come back to be a civilian. And I think it's difficult for the civilian population that has continued to fund the wars at the tune of the last twenty years. To what they would prefer to do is that we just go away. That's what they prefer us to do. They want us to all hide. And be you know sedated by the VA, and they don't want to think about the poor voting decisions that they've made for the past twenty years, because Obama didn't pull us out, no. Bush didn't pull us out. They don't want to be confronted with the reality of their mistakes. They want to be in their own echo chamber. They want to be uplifted because they're you know affluent educated elitists that fucking ride their single speeds and they want to know that what they're doing is correct and ethical. What they don't want us to do is one, be successful. They don't want us to have a voice and they definitely don't want us to be on the new, the news on a repeated cycle, rubbing their fucking nose in their mistakes. <laughs> it's yeah, that's, I mean, they don't want the hard truth, you know, of what the past 20 years has done to the guys in, that have been in, especially the guys on the front line who have been fighting over the past 20 years. 
they they look at all of us as I mean, and this is not all of them. I'm not you know, but I'm no no yeah. I'm like they look at us like, but oh yeah, you guys you know, and like you said, sedate yourselves and just go away, you know. But it's like, dude, that's not who we are. Like, yeah, we I went to war the past twenty years. I'm good with it. Now I'm I'm turning the page and I want to become successful in some other way, you know? And I think people should be applauding that, man. Like, dude, that, I mean, I, that nothing makes me feel better than watching another veteran-owned company crush it. But then not only crush it, but watch them, like, give back to the veteran community while they're doing it. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. We take care of each other. I mean, and that's what really, I think, was bothered me this week with the amount of people. Because I had friends. I'm like, dude, why, I mean, why are you taking this stance against Black Rifle over an article. like, And to me, I'm like, dude, a lot of it, and I texted Jared this the other day, or maybe ago, when all of them in the middle of it, I'm like, bro, half these people that are attacking you guys that were supposedly supporters or followers, I'm like, dude, they were just waiting for the chance to bring you guys down. I'm like, there's a lot of envy. There's a lot of jealousy in the veteran community. A lot of people don't want to see other people succeed. I mean, and, you know, not just in the veteran community and society alone. I mean, so I I think that people are just waiting for the chance. And I'm like, dude, that sucks. But at least you get to cut the fat out of your lives. Like, then we don't want you as supporters, man. Like, if you're not going to stick with us and be loyal to us, you know what Black Rifle's about. They don't hide it. It's like they're about helping other people. I'm like, so if you can't get behind that and you're looking for reasons to take them down, then, dude, just go away. Like, you don't need to be supporting them. No, and that's and that's the same. That's the same position we've all kind of got into, where we're like, you know, fair weather friends, right? It's uh, it's it, and really, we didn't have a, we didn't really see a lot of that. We saw a lot of guys that were just like stepping in, you know, sword and shield. Um, and yeah, th- this is like a fictional reality. Like, here's you know, here's the thing: Twitter is a fictional reality. Like, nobody gives a shit about Twitter. You know who gives a shit about Twitter? Like news pundits and people like nobody's reading and getting a real experience in, you know, a hundred, a couple hundred characters or less. Like where business is actually conducted and where you build your business is like handshakes at a time, like sitting in the room, having a conversation with people, getting to know people, understanding who they are. You can't retain information uh, and and make a good decision in being restrained to 200 characters or less, like or whatever it is. I don't even know. I have to download Twitter when <laughs> things like this happen. I'm like, okay, I better read and see what's going on. I download it for about 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, great. And then I fucking delete it because it's a waste of time. It really is, man. I I refuse to get on it. I'm like, I mean, it's, I I was even reluctant to get on Instagram right when I got out. I just was like, dude, I don't even know what this is. I'm like, you know, I can deal with that, but it's it's almost the same thing. You know, it's like people get on there, say their one little comment that, you know, it's it means nothing. It's like, dude, okay, great. Go back to whatever you were doing in your mom's basement, man. Like, thanks. For- <laughs> well, you don't, like, we traced it back. Uh, I was talking to one of my buddies and, and like some of these guys have like 20 accounts because they're not even using like, like different oh, okay. accounts. So they'll have like 20 accounts. Like... So you guys are just like out there, this is your hobby. You know, this is your hobby. And 
The good thing is it doesn't really affect business. It causes like a stir and then people think, like they think they're affecting it. It doesn't affect business. Like we've literally seen just an increase in customer service tickets, but it's just kind of white noise now. I've learned to just kind of turn the squelch and, you know, rotate my squelch knob on this fucker and just be like, okay, cool. You know, uh, neither here nor there. What, what I actually wanted to talk to you about was it's been a long, it's been a long time since we've actually been on a podcast. So I want to just fucking abruptly just turn the page. Who cares about that shit? Like, I have to correct people all the time when it's related to you. And I'm not defending you. I'm just like setting the record straight because you know what I hear all the time? Probably what you hear. War criminal. Or Trump pardoned you. Oh, yeah. That's, I can't believe that little gem is still like floating around. I don't know how many times I have had to say it. I'm like, dude, hey, on every podcast, I'm like, hey, just real quick. Trump did not pardon me. You know, I went, I was acquitted. I went through the gauntlet. Yeah. That's why I wrote the book. I was like, dude, that was a crazy experience. Uh, And there was so much stuff packed into all of that. I was like, that people had no idea. So I'm like, here it is, man. Like, here's what we went through. Here's the truth. You know, and I even put in um, the QR codes in the book because I halfway through, I was like, dude, nobody's going to believe this shit. Like, right amount of corruption and like deceitfulness that went on, you know, and, and so many like and the Navy and just the government in general, I'm like, no one will believe this can happen. So I was like, I'm just going to put in all the evidence, all the interviews, uh, the whole trial audio. I mean, I was like, here it is, man. And then I want to be as transparent as possible on like how the government and the media treated me. I'm like, you can judge me all you want. I don't, I don't give a shit at this point. There it is. And uh, it's, it's funny to this day, like people still come out, like you said, yeah, well, you were pardoned. I'm like, all right, man, I guess there's no, I mean, at that point, I'm like, there's no change in your mind. You want to believe what you want to believe. Uh, and that's, that's your issue, not mine. <laughs> and I'll be talking to people that I know should understand the story, should understand the story. And not only that, but should have a, a, at least a depth of knowledge to understand the difference between what happened. Like you were acquitted. So people are always like, what's your opinion on it? I'm like, I don't fucking have an opinion. The guy was acquitted. Like that's why we have a legal system is I don't have to actually have an opinion. There is no opinion. There is fact. That's what it is. Past that point, dude, like, Based on you and I, as far as like our relationship, like I have an opinion on you. I like him. He's fun. He's funny. Like I like hanging out with him. He's great. But I don't have an opinion on it. Like, do you think really or whatever? I'm like, that's just drama. What do you fuck? Like, fuck off. He was acquitted. And that's what's nuts to me as well as like these people like, oh, do you think, you know, what do you really think happened? And I'm like, bro. And to those people, I'm like, please just read my book because it's all in there. But I was like, the fact we did go through the system, we were found, you know, innocent of everything except for the one picture. Uh, I'm like, but everything we faced up to that point, dude, like that system is so corrupt and we weaved our way through all that corruption and still came out on top. I'm like, that's the story right there, dude. Like what my wife and brother did is beyond like extraordinary. I'm like, and that's what I want people to get out of it. I'm like, dude, we... Nobody gave up at any point during this time to like 
and start feeling sorry for ourselves. We're going to fight this machine the whole way through. Uh, and I want people, that's, that's all I want people to get out of it, you know, and obviously the truth as well. Well, I think that it's, it's really important for people to understand um, that because, well, and you've explained it, I think, on the, on the podcast before, but I think it'd be good for people to explain or for you to explain to them, which is the charge that, the charge they, they ended up like landing on was for what? So yeah, what I got charged with is uh, posing with a dead enemy corpse. Um, right. And so the, but this is the crazy thing. And I'm not, I'm not defending my actions. I'm not, you know, making any excuses. But the crazy thing about it is there was 12 other individuals right. who were with me. Not one person was charged. Not one person was held accountable for any of that. So, I mean, that, that charge alone, they threw that on there as a gimme, you know, yeah. I mean, the main thing they were trying to go for was the three murder counts, which were completely made up. So when they didn't, they, they couldn't get me on that. They were like, okay, well, he's not, because I, I wasn't denying I took the picture. Like, we're going to get him on this and we're going to throw the book at him. And that's, I think I'm the first person ever to get charged at a court martial for taking a picture with a dead enemy corpse and then being called a war for it. It's it's ridiculous. I don't, it's not a war crime. That's been going on since the beginning, you know, the cameras were invented and, and war was going on. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I was like, if you're going to call me a war criminal for taking a picture with a dead corpse, I'm like, then we've had a bunch of war criminals in the military, you know, that have been fighting for our country since the beginning of cameras. It's, uh, I, I think that's the most bullshit charge. And I think when I say that, uh, to your point, Eddie, like I've, I've spent a lot of time downrange in the last uh, several years of my life, excluding the last seven. But um, there's a lot of guys that, that, I mean, you know, even when you're doing SSE and a few of these other things, like, like there's a lot of stuff that's taken, like the, the mm-hmm. targets, you take pictures and it's not, you know, like, I, I think that that's one of the things that people need to understand is that when you're a warfighter, your job is to enclose and kill people. That's what your job is, is to kill people. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the reality of the situation is, is that the people that are in harm's way doing the job, their profession every day downrange, you're uh, desensitized I would say to the work to a certain degree. And there's been a lot of people to the tune of thousands uh, deployed overseas. I don't know if, who needs to hear this, but they've been killing a lot of people for the United States night after night after night in the war on terror. And uh, for you to have uh, had this one charge, I think, uh, I, I, I think I can't agree with you more. It's, it's a trumped up, bullshit yeah. charge that they just had to get something. And then oh, okay. the, is that where, cause that's where I think people mistake what uh, president Trump actually did for you, which was, did he, what did he do for you? So, yeah, I think this is so for people too. So when I was locked up, my wife and brother were like, you know, they started a social media, uh, um, organic social media campaign, pretty much putting the truth out about what was going on. 
Uh, they both ended up on Fox and Friends eventually because it got so much attention. Uh, they knew the president watched Fox and Friends avidly. So my wife went on there and very smartly like pleaded the case and like, we need help because <laughs> she saw corruption that was going on in the system. She's like, somebody needs to step in and do something. But it wasn't until 50 Republicans signed a petition to get me out of prison so I could properly defend myself. And it was a couple days after that, Trump tweeted, let him out of prison so he can properly defend himself before trial. He wasn't saying I was guilty or not guilty. He wasn't taking sides. He was like, dude, this guy deserves due process for what he's done for our country. Let him out so he can defend himself. But because of the uh, atmosphere of our country then, you know, because he, everyone took it as like, oh, he's, he's siding with this war criminal and they attacked me, you know, it, it, it piled on probably a thousand times after that. Like, uh, and then the next thing that all he did um, was after my trial, they kept trying to come after me. Uh, the Navy kept trying to prosecute me. Uh, they wanted to take away my, my down to E1 and take away, take away my retirement. So let's be like 20 years never happened. Uh, we were fighting back on that. Um, Trump called me and said, listen, you're going to retire as a chief with everything you've earned over this 20 years. He's like, this nonsense is done. Just get out of the Navy. And I was like, hey, thank you, Roger, that. They came after... So once that happened, they came after me again. And we're like, oh, now we're going to take your trident. And it became like this embarrassing... Uh, I mean, it was embarrassing, dude. Like, I couldn't believe Naval Special Warfare, like went down to this level, but they were just going tit for tat with the president. Like, okay, who's got the bigger ego? Um, which they found out who did. Um, <laughs> it was ridiculous to watch, you know, these, these uh, naval officers act in this fashion. You're like, dude, and I, I was talking to them like they were children. I'm like, dude, you guys need to stop doing this. Like, just let me retire. They're like, oh, no, no, no. I take your trident now. And then <laughs> Trump did this on his own. He tweeted out, you will not be taking this trident. Get back to get back to work, like right. leave this alone, and that's that's the extent of you know the president getting involved. Uh, you know he didn't pardon me. Um, he definitely helped us out. He helped me retire with everything that I did earn, and I'm thankful for that. I'm like, dude, I'm glad an adult stepped in the room and like end this right now. Right. Go. Well, I think that that's an important point to bring up because uh, that has been. Uh, Mis- that that has been a, a, a misleading or misinformation that is being put out on a regular basis that you were somehow pardoned. Uh, I have to correct the record on that all the time. Like just individually on one-on-one when people are like, oh, well, you know, this person said Eddie. I'm like, yeah, were they there? So were they in Iraq with Eddie? Were they on his team? Did they know him? No. Well, then shut the fuck up because right. nobody was there. You know, I've been involved in gunfights and or ambushes that I've directly par- participated in, like directly involved in, where the guy that was in the vehicle with me took a completely separate perspective than I did. He viewed it completely differently than I did. And we were in the same incident. Like, unless you're right there, sitting right next to him, like, let alone you're trying to diagnose this from you know, 10 parties removed, you're, you don't know what's going on. So you have to, we have to default to the legal system because that's why it's designed to ultimately either convict or exonerate people. And, to and me, that's, 
that's where all the facts come out is. Right. And believe me, they, and that was the beauty of it is everything leading up to that was all one-sided, uh, you know, smear campaign against me, which the prosecution, I mean, we, we caught them, we're in a lawsuit with the Navy right now, but they were leaking negative information about me to the media to create this narrative so that the jury would be tainted and they'd find me guilty no matter what. But the problem was like their case was so weak. I mean, the, the facts all did come out, but it was like the, the facts were all in our favor. The jury couldn't even, I mean, their faces were like, how did this even come to trial? How did you guys even get here? But that's what the, the Navy decided to die on that mountain. And they were like, we're going to keep pushing forward. Uh, it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, why do you think they were so motivated with this? Dude, I, I mean, obviously I've spent a lot of time like thinking like, why the heck did this happen? Like, yeah. why did they pick me to come after so hard? I mean, and, you know, I could start putting like the tin cap theories on and all that, but I mean, it's, it definitely, I know came from up above. Really? Know? I mean, the secretary of the Navy getting fired over my, the whole thing. And he was meddling in my case. I mean, I had emails of him reaching out to, uh, to these uh, companies that were supporting us, telling them not to support me, uh, telling them to back off that I was guilty. And this is before I went to trial. I mean, this is the secretary of the Navy reaching that low. So to me, I'm like, dude, if that guy was reaching that low at that time, there was something going on up above. Like somebody was like, dude, make an example out of this guy for whatever reason. I, I still don't understand it. I don't think I ever will because I just, my brain doesn't think like that. I'm like, right. but yeah, I do think there's, there was some collusion at the top, you know, to, to hang me out to dry and use me as an example in some fashion. I don't know. Have you thought about like, but I guess my question, because I've thought about that too, like what was the motivation or what's the motivation between that person and then them trying to make an example out of you? Have you thought about like, was, do you think there's like a political motivation behind it or something else? Like how do you, have you thought about those? Yeah, I definitely think there's a political motivation behind it. I mean, and this is where you, you know, sure. Just, we can put on tinfoil hats. Like you and I are knuckle jaggers. Like, honestly, who cares? <laughs> and, you know, Trump, when he, he came into office right when we started to uh, clear Western Mosul and yeah. the, we were given the objective, the gloves are off, annihilate them. And right. that we did. You know, we cleared Western Mosul within six months, uh, which was not expected. I think, you know, the other higher brass who definitely did not like Trump that were up in the Pentagon and wherever else they were like, we're going to make some of this, this story right here to, you know, prove, you know, that mm. what Trump did was wrong or in some, some capacity like that. Uh, you know, and I, that's about as far as I've gotten. Cause I'm like, dude, I don't know how that sounds crazy, but it really doesn't sound crazy as well. You're like that. I could see that happening. Yeah, it's almost as if uh, they can take away the victory, uh, meaning like the success of what was happening in uh, Mosul and how effective the uh, how effective the forces were. If they make it about something else, something else that's much more you know derogatory, so they can take away 
the win, right? Yeah, I think story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's. I think there's a major part of that. Um, I mean, have you heard of uh, Keith, the other Navy SEAL? Uh, oh yeah. Okay, so, I mean, it's almost the same thing. Like it was a political move. Uh, the judge was told to find him guilty because of the uh, Me Too movement that was like, in effect, really in effect that time. Uh, and, you know, luckily that judge comes out, he had a brutal conscience two and a half years later and was like, hey, this is what happened. But, you know, Keith's life was ruined already, but he spent two and a half years. And, but I mean, that was all politically driven. Um, you know, they'll hang people out to dry just like that. I mean, which is a scary scary thing um you know and that's why you know my wife was screaming from the rooftops to people when this was going on like dude if this can happen to us it can happen to you like believe me because it just came out of nowhere uh, I think yeah that's the scary thing about all of this is you know you you served like in the marine corps you served in the navy you put in 20 years of time and this happened to you like you you made like what what one would consider all the right moves professionally right (laughs) (laughs) i had i mean i had a decent career uh you know i i was never and just like i'm sure he was well you know when you're not looking doing the job for accolades or like oh no for awards or this that but you know i did have a good career up to that point but that was a crazy thing as well it's like once they accused me of this, all of that disappeared. Like we were the ones having to bring it up, you know, like, Hey, you know, this, you're telling me this dude just snapped out of nowhere. Like, come on. I think, you know, one of the things uh, I want to talk to you about was, you know, the book and how, how long you've been working on that and what is in the book that, you know, you really want to talk about as far as like, this is why uh, I've, I actually, uh, I think I just, somebody just sent me that. So when, when did you actually release that? So the book was actually released in stores on uh, June 29th. Uh, right. So it's pretty recent, uh, but we had it for pre-sale before then. But yeah, I mean, I worked all last year, uh, you know, right after uh, I did the podcast with you guys, you know, I went home and that was the start of it. Um, and because of, you know, quarantine happened, it made it easier because I had nothing else to do. So I, I sat there and worked on the book and it was difficult, man, to uh, go through all of that. Uh, it was super uncomfortable to write a book, period. Um, right. I just, you know, come from the way I was raised in the teens, like you do not write books. And if you do, you're, you're looked at like a piece of shit. Uh, but I knew, like, dude, this story's different and it needs to be told. So like, especially I want other team guys reading this. It's like, dude, this could happen to you, you know? Um, so yeah, we I spent the whole last year, uh, right. And I think we finished it around, um, uh, finished it pretty quick. And then DOD had it for about eight months. Um, but they, you know, surprisingly, I was expecting a lot of harassment from them, but they came back and I mean, the stuff that they, they, uh, that was goofy. Um, yeah, it's like, 148 or something, you know, it's like, it's like nomenclature to radio or something. It's like, exactly. everybody knows you dummies. Everybody knows that we used, used embedders like, or whatever. But yeah, Matt went through the same process where it's like, yeah, it's, you're blacking that out. Like that's just kind of stupid. Blacked out uh, vanilla teams. 
I was like, are you like, yeah, you can't say that. I'm like, you know, that's like a joke. It's like a derogatory joke that we use in the teams. And I'm like, no, it's like, whatever. All right. Okay. You know, yeah. maybe they think it's like some like code word or something. I, so they're just trying to justify their job up there at the Pentagon. They're like, oh, we got a black something out here. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, and it, it, after your career, I mean, I would imagine, do you go into your career or do you just tell the story? No, I do. So, I mean, I, I go from like my childhood because, uh, you know, I worked with the ghostwriter and he was like, dude, you got to get background and all this stuff. So I was like, okay. Uh, it's, uh, so I go back to my childhood and then how uh, my wife and I met. We met in high school. We were like best friends in high school. Um, and then I, I sort of, you know, I, I breezed through my career because I definitely did not want it to be... Um, I, I didn't want to talk like, oh, look at me. Here's you know, these deployments and like uh, gunfights. I'm like, dude, that, that's great. I've, there's been thousands of other operators who have done the same thing. I'm not right. going to... Uh, go through it. But I, you know, I did get some context to the uh, Missoula deployment. I talked about that because that was a very, very uh, chaotic and different deployment. Um, it was pretty crazy. But, um, you know, that's that's about as far as I get into it. Uh, I really wanted, there's so much to do with the trial um, and everything that happened for it that, I, you know, I couldn't waste a lot of time just going through stories about my career because that took up a large majority of the book. And how how well is it being received right now? Like what if, what kind of feedback have you gotten from it, bro? It's been awesome. Uh, I've been completely like humbled by the response. I mean, we've we're and I I don't know how the book stuff works. It's my first time, so I'm just like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, we're on number one on a bunch of Amazon lists. Uh, I think mean, you know we're in the top twenty books. So. Dude, I'm just grateful. I'm like, dude, awesome. Um, I hope it keeps doing well. I hope people keep buying the book and and seeing exactly what happened. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a ride. It's been busy since it came out and doing all the uh, press releases and all that stuff. Have you had a lot of people change uh, their perception of what's happened based on uh, the book, based on you know listening to podcasts with you on it? Have you had a lot of people come out and tell you like, dude, I yeah. got uh, do definitely. And that's the other big, huge, like blessing out of just doing the book. I mean, people have read it and I've, I've had guys, I mean, other team guys who were during that time were not saying the greatest things about me or, you know, making media and they've reached out to me, apologized, uh, completely. We're like, dude, I was lied to, um, you know, misinformation. And, and you know what? And I don't, I forgive those. I'm like, dude, I know. Like there was so much bullshit being put out at that time. Like I forgive you, man. We're good, uh, and we move on. So yeah, it's been cool um, to see the amount of people like their eyes are open once they read it, and they're like, "Holy shit, this is uh, this is a lot." And I thought, um, so yeah, that's been the other really cool thing. I mean, and that's the point. That's one of the points of doing it. Is like, dude, here's the truth. You right. know, here's what you went through. Um, not what you know, certain media outlets have put out about me. Uh, so it's been good. Well, I, I was one of those. I mean, I, I think I told you that last time that we were talking in SHOT Show because there was so much negative information, not knowing you, not knowing the entire context of the situation. Um, I, was, I, I, was, I was thinking to myself because, you know, I've been in and around not in the SEAL teams, but I've been work. I've worked with the SEAL teams. I've worked in those those environments. 
So I could see some of the narrative playing out, but there were like things that just didn't connect for me because I didn't understand. But I, but is it possible a guy could snap? Well, yeah, theoretically, but I think there's a lot of safety mechanisms there with the team that would prevent like a long-term burn on that because people would be like, hey, dude, like, what's up with all that? Uh, yeah. You, you brought that up. You did bring that up in the last podcast and it was like, one of the most valid points, which I was saying during my thing, uh, during the trial or before, I'm like, okay, let's just say what these dudes are saying is true. Right. Let's say I was out there smoking dudes left and right, women, children. Yeah. Six months straight, no one said anything. Right. No, 24 dudes were just remained silent and watched me do this. I'm like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, here, dude. Like, and I was like, we had, you know, multiple ISR platforms out every right. yet there's no videos, no nothing of any of this, you know, me going around <laughs> just smoking everybody in Missoula. Like something would have popped up during that six month time, guys. Like have you know, do some critical thinking. Um but yeah, it's you know, that's uh I and that's that I think that's one of the most disappointing things when especially when other operators are like, oh well maybe he did do it. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, think about when you're on a deployment. Think about if this happened, what would happen to him? Like, they would snatch this dude up and be like, you're out of here, bro. Like, yeah, they turn you in. I was like, but that never happened because none of this ever happened. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it. I think there's a couple really val- valid points, which is uh, peer accountability in the team setting like that is acute. Right. And for oh, people yeah. who don't know, you're accountable to everybody on the team, even if you're in charge, and especially in special operations, because you have the role of quote unquote leader, doesn't mean that guys don't push back. So <laughs> there's all kinds of pushback all the time. There's all kinds of debate, at least in my team room, there was always debate as to how you can conduct a specific operation or how you made a decision on the battlefield or what you did. There's debate all the time. Like It's not as if there's a bunch of lockstep uh, no. robots just conducting orders and shutting their mouths. That's not the way a team room works, actually. it's com- That's completely inaccurate as far as... That's that apart from the conventional military is we are allowed to do stuff like that in team like ranks off. We'll discuss what's the best route. What's the best way to go about this. And everybody is, you are raised to be a leader in the special forces community from the time you are, you get through selection. It's like you are a leader in some capacity. So yeah, no one's scared to speak their mind or say something. So, and again, that's another, you know, I think people need to know that as well because that's why this story doesn't make sense either. Yeah. And the other piece that I was really... Uh, I said this on Fox News when this was actually happening, that the conversation in America at that point shouldn't have been about you, right? It shouldn't have been about you. Because if it was true, we'll just say, fictionally speaking, right? It was true. The conversation yeah. should have been around mental health and how do we help the guys on the battlefield uh, solve some of their problems because obviously if you would have snapped, right, which is completely yeah. accurate, then that's the circumstance you've been put in that what created that circumstance and how can we as a country prevent that 
not you. The, the responsibility is not on, on, from my perspective, Eddie Gallagher at that point. The responsibility is actually on the country, on our mental health uh, system. Like, how do we make sure that, you know, every service member that's deployed into combat or into harm's way that could have been in multiple gunfights and IEDs, how do we look at the mental and physical health of the person and take responsibility as a country, not just saying, well, hey, well, this guy fucking cracked, so fuck him, you know, see you later. I think, the, well, I think the country has this, uh, and not all of them, but I think there's this misconception that anybody in special forces or, you know, in the soft community, like we're robots. We're like, this is what we do. I'm like, dude, we're human beings, you know, so and we're volunteering to go do this job over and over and over. And yeah, it is takes a toll on our bodies, but that's the, that's the sacrifice we're willing to make to right. protect this country, right? But like, like I said in the beginning, we're human beings and that does take a toll. Um, and I, I really think like, dude, we're about to, this country's about to have its eyes wide open here uh, because we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. I'm like, so you're going to have all these men and women have been fighting because 9-11 for the past 20 years retiring. And at I know transition is not, is not the easiest thing to go through. Um, and, you know, I've lost four or five friends, five friends just in this past year by suicide, you know, because they're lost. Um, and they, I think we really need to step up the game as a country for, you know, looking over at the mental health of these individuals getting out, uh, getting them treatments, uh, you know, and people blame the military, like, oh, the military's not doing enough. I'm like, that the military does what it needs to do. Like it trains you for war. It trains you to be ready for it. I'm like, they, they're not going to lot of spend, spend a lot of time on you. Like, okay, well now let's get you fixed up to get you back in the real world. You're, we're going to have to, you know, sort of like what you guys are doing. Like we're going to take care of our own. Um, I think a lot more companies need to get on board with that. I, you know, and start, uh, start taking care of the men and women that have been fighting for us the past 20 years. I couldn't agree more. I, this is a constant, never present thought for me because of, uh, you know, September 11th is right around the corner, uh, you know, 20 years. And you and I both been in this community for, for so long. You know, I, I was telling this to a friend of mine uh, yesterday. We were talking on the phone. It's, uh, I go to bed at night and I, I, before I put my phone kind of by the bed, you know, one of my fears that I continue to have is, am I going to get a text or a phone call from somebody that I'm going to miss, right? I'm going to miss the text or the phone call and it will be too late and it'll be too late. And I don't know if, you know, your, your standard civilian, I don't think they go to bed every night like praying that they don't miss a text or a phone call from somebody that actually needs your help, that is desperate and they're like at their 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 With, last minute. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, there's a lot of things that civilians I don't think will ever comprehend, or like the stuff that we go through. I mean, even I, I don't know how it was for you while you were in, but like if I got a text message at, at a weird time and from like, it was like, bing, 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 from three different people. My immediate thought was someone just got killed. Yeah. Someone, um, and my heart, you know, 
my anxiety would go up and, and it turned out to be something else. But I was like, no, no, who else like goes through this kind of problem? You know what I mean? Except for the warfighters that are you know, doing the job. Um, and that, you know, that is a real, a real fear of mine as well. Like not being there for one of my boys when they need me the most. Um, but you, I, you only have so much bandwidth as well too. Uh, you know, and plus we're trying to take care of ourselves as well. I mean, that's my biggest piece of advice to guys when they get out, man. It, now I'm like, dude, you need to fix yourself before yeah. you are going to do something else. I spent, I mean, I was definitely blessed last year with, you know, I did, I worked on the book and the remainder of the time getting treatments. I'm like, dude, I went, got TBI treatments. Uh, you know, I went down to Mexico, uh, did all that. I mean, and it, it paid dividends. I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm back to normal, you know, just like three months ago. I was like, dude, I finally feel like I'm back to myself. Uh, but that's, I think that's the big issue is getting guys to those treatments, um, making sure guys go. And I, the need, I think what the military can do, man, is sort of provide an a la carte, like, hey, here's what we'll send you to a year before you get out to sort of get the ball rolling. Uh, you know, that's one of the solutions that I've been thinking of. But it takes the rest of us, man, to, like you said, to reach out and make sure this, that these guys are doing okay. Yeah, and we've. Uh, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine the, a couple weeks ago. He's a PJ out of Oregon. He was a former Ranger that went over to the PJ side, and he's just been explaining to me his process and recovery. Right, so he quit drinking a couple years ago. I uh, took his, you know, his his physical health very seriously. So he's like lost weight. You know, he went through a lot of um, different brain treatment specifically. So he was going through combination of like gyroscope mechanisms and, you know, getting MRIs and like, he's very proactive. So he's like talking to doctors about, you know, about what he can do for his tendonitis and, you know, the aches and pains and also the mental health. And it's so interesting because he's so active in trying to solve a lot of the problems that he has physically and mentally. Uh, I'll actually have to have him on the show because I was thinking about this and he and I were talking about it. It's like, man, everybody we know should be going through this type of cycle, what you're talking about. Everybody we know because our bodies are beaten up. Like our brains are beaten up. Our bodies are beaten up. Like I've got tendonitis from places that I'm like, why is this a fuck? Why is this tendonitis? I, I, I don't even understand. So it's like, just even the frustration of like higher levels of anxiety or, you know, random tendonitis or, or back injuries. Like I still have to sleep with like a towel under my neck because oh, yeah. like, like, my back is completely fucked from driving around in gun trucks with hundred pounds of kit on you, just like bouncing around all the time. Spine. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, and, well, the other thing is, uh, you know, for what I've seen, because I've talked to guys all last year as well uh, that were getting out. It's just like you said, everybody needs to go through those treatments. Yeah. And but what I think the problem is guys are always looking, you know, we compare ourselves to others on the team. It's like, well, I'm not as bad off as him. So I'm good. Yeah. Like, you know, treat him, not me. I'm like, no, dude, you need the treatment, man. Like everybody does because we're all dealing with something. You know, I think Stump, Andy Stump was it the best. Like, you know, you touch war, it's going to turn back. It's only a matter of time before 
that stuff starts coming, come bubbling up. I mean, it did for me when, when I retired and I started writing the book, I was like, Oh shit, here that's. And luckily I'd listened to enough podcasts of guys talking about their experiences. I was like, I know what this is. Uh, I need to start getting treatment. Uh, so I think the more we talk about it, the more people are vulnerable, just be vulnerable about what you're going through. I mean, it doesn't make you weak. It actually, stronger uh, and the more guys will be like okay they'll be um more confident to get help well and i think that's the big thing is, is so many people from the subculture are reliant on self-medication right so they they drink too much mm-hmm. they'll eat too much it's just kind of a more is better type mentality and i'm good like i'm not missing any you know because we look at our our buddies, right? They're missing legs, or you know, they have acute TBI, or they've got you know burns across their body, and we're like, dude, that guy has legitimate problem. I don't want to burn, I don't, I don't want to burden the system by clogging it up with my bullshit because I feel pretty good. But to your point, is no, there's a completely separate system, and there's plenty of bandwidth. Like you're not going to clog up the system. You can go and get help, and honestly. We all have to be here. Like we have to lead by example. We have to go out and inspire our peers and be there. You know, it's like self-aid buddy aid, right? We got to be there for our friends. And if we're not at a hundred percent, then we can't be there for the people that really need it. Yeah. Especially, I mean, through your family. You know, I knew last year, I mean, that was my main motivation was to get to fix myself. So I was like, dude. My wife and kids have put up with this job for 20 years and faithfully and just, I mean, they've remained strong the whole time. I'm like, they don't deserve to see the after effects and me not getting, you know, not getting any help. And they have, now they have to deal with this like, you know, depressed, anxiety-ridden individual. I was like, no, this isn't happening. So, I mean, that's what drove me to get help as well. Um, and I think that's, I mean, you explain it in that fashion to guy, like, dude, especially if they're married or whatever, I'm like, Get help for yourself, but also for your family as well. Yeah, and we can't let the we can't let the war win, right? And and that's the other thing is you can't let the war win. You you have to do self aid, buddy aid. You got to be there for your families. You got to be there for your friends. We got to be there for the community. And you know, i i don't I don't get affected by depression. Thank God, you know, uh, because. I think most of the time I realize like, hey, I got to I gotta show up. I got to show up and I got to be at 100%. Uh, yeah. I got too many people that depend on me specifically, you know, my kids, my wife, when I say depend on me, just to be a good dad and a good human and be, you know, present in their lives and be happy and productive and inject a positive psychology into the family. And that's the other piece to this is, you know, I've really focused hard in the last seven years since, you know, getting out, starting a new profession is like, don't add to the negative shit in the world, right? Like I've, I've, I've participated in, you know, the, 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 the negative shit. When I say negative, like I don't want to boil down war just specifically to that, but I'm like, I've already been on that side of the, the, of life. I was angry. I was callous. I was depressed and lonely. And now like I've come out of that and I'm like, I, I don't want to contribute to any form of negativity in our society in any way, shape or form. I just want to be an injection of positivity and try to like 
move forward every day and hopefully inspire other people to do the same, uh, which becomes my guiding principle in asthma, which is I got to show up, I got to be present, I got to be, you know, what I say is positive, professional, and polite all the time. Now, I'm, I, don't, I don't reach that all the time. I'm kind of a dick sometimes, you know, like, but I'm at least trying. And I think... And towards that, which is, yeah. that's what matters. It's like, you, you have a goal. You're like, dude, I want to be a positive person. I want to be a great example for people. And, and that's the thing is like, yeah, are you going to be that all the time? No, we're human, right? Uh, but at least if you're striving towards that, and I, I, I came you know, up with pretty much the same philosophy over the past year. I was like, dude, I'm done with like all this negative bullshit, uh, like especially after everything we went through. I was like, dude, none of that stuff affects, like it doesn't do anything for me. I, I'm not going to let it affect me anymore. I mean, if, if it wants to keep going on, great. Like you want to, but I'm just going to focus on helping others and just trying to be a positive influence in some form or fashion, uh, which, you know, I hope I do that, but all the time, but yeah, I, I have flaws as well. You know, I'll, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> My wife hates when I say that. It is what it is. She's like, Oh, screw you, dude. Uh, <laughs> I actually thought about making a t-shirt out of that. It is I, what it is. Yeah. Well, dude, it, where, where can everybody find your book? Uh, so you go on uh, eddiegallagherbook.com, um, Amazon, and uh, it's also on um, our theeddiegallagher.com as well, uh, our website that we created uh, last year. Perfect. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's always a pleasure, dude. I love having you on. Like, I, I, I love like I was texting you during this. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Freaking buckle up, Buttercup. I'm gonna put my fucking helmet on, you know. And uh, you're like, ah, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? It's fucking. It's game time, you know. Yeah, uh, it's already over. It's like, dude, that shit lasts for like four days, and then it's on to something. (laughs) They're on to something else. Like on to other under shady object. Okay, cool. We'll stay on uh, after this, so you and I can shoot the shit for a second. Okay. 